2: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable.
0: Ah. Okay, we're going to talk with Lauren Windsor here in just a second. But it's that time at the beginning of the month when we lose a whole bunch of Patreon subscribers to declines and cancellations. So your support right now is super duper important to make up for all of that. So if you're into it, I urge you to go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash show and sign up for our $10 per month level to get the Shadow Docket bonus show and our Friday after-party shows with me and Kimberly Johnson. In other words, if you choose to support the show for just $10 per month, you're going to get access to the super-secret Shadow Docket shows every Tuesday and Thursday on the Patreon page, plus the exclusive Friday After Party podcast with me and Kimberly. So don't miss out. Go to bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash Show. Choose the After Party and Shadow Docket level. Enter your information, and you're all set. Thanks so much for supporting this podcast, and now let the cartoons begin.
3: The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Oh, yes. I hate this. It is revolting. More? Please. The Bob Seska Show.
0: Former Nation's Capital, it is Wednesday, November 1, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska Interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Day 1015 of the Biden-Harris administration, 369 days until the twenty four presidential election. You can find me on threads and Instagram at @thebobsesca, Twitter, BobSeska underscore ghost, Bob Seska, and the Patreon page is BobSeskaShow.com. Right off the bat, I am so glad Lauren Windsor is on our side and not the other side. She's one of these fearless activists and consultants who puts her own ass on the line to push back against the MAGA movement. Among many other things, Lauren is famous for her Sting videos where she acts like a Trump supporter and gets people like John Eastman to blab all kinds of incriminating things. You may have heard about Lauren on The Rachel Maddow Show or Keith Olbermann's Countdown podcast, not to mention her appearance on something called Start Me Up with Kimberly Johnson. Who's that? She's working with volunteerblue.org. She's the centerpiece of the YouTube channel called The Undercurrent, and she's responsible for Project Veritas Exposed. We're going to talk about that today. Link's in the description, of course, to support all of those websites and places. Meantime, don't forget to support this podcast by subscribing to us on Patreon, bobseskashow.com. Okay, here's me talking with the great Lauren Windsor. More fun,
2: more music, the Bob Seska Show.
0: You know what? I just to reveal to everybody, Lauren right now is in an airport. Right? You're in. you in the airport.
4: I am. I uh, just got to Newark.
0: Well, thank you so much for making time for me because when I'm in an airport, all I can think about is getting the hell out of the airport as quickly as I can.
4: <laughs> I feel you. So it's worth it, though.
0: Right. So you flew across country. You're back here on the East Coast. Are you originally from the East Coast, or is this just a business trip?
4: Uh, so I'm from the South. Um, I spent my time between D.C. and California. Um, you know, I need to be in, in D.C. for, for work um, doing national politics, but I am definitely a California girl. Um, I'm in town for a conference.
0: What are you doing with Heather Booth right now? Because Kimberly came running into the room the other day. She's like, OK, you got to talk to Lauren Windsor because she's doing this thing with Heather Booth. And I said, you know what? I've been wanting to talk with Lauren for a long time now anyway. So maybe this will be a good excuse to, uh, to bring her on. So what's going on with uh, Heather right now?
4: Well, so Heather is working with a coalition. We're working with this uh, coalition of 15 different groups uh, in Volunteer Blue. And mm-hmm. so it's an effort to um, really uh, mobilize voters, but through volunteerism, uh, to, to take part uh, in, in driving people to the polls for um, Ohio and Virginia, particularly around abortion because yeah. you know uh, abortion is on the ballot in both of those states. really. Um, the hub, it's called volunteerblue.org. And folks okay. can connect through any of the partner organizations to find, uh, you know, an activity that speaks to them.
0: Gotcha. Volunteerblue.org. I'll put a link in the description under this episode, bobsuska.com, also on the Patreon page. So, uh, Lauren, you mentioned Virginia. And Before we get into the really fun stuff that you do, I want to talk about the upcoming election because there's a lot riding on what happens in Virginia, right?
4: Yes. And we had a preview of that in twenty twenty one actually, um before Yunkin was elected. So I don't know if you recall um, that I had gone undercover uh, with Yunkin, Glenn Yunkin, uh, yeah. on the topic on the topic of abortion. And um he said that he couldn't be public about uh, his views because it wouldn't help him to win independent voters. And, you know, it's widely seen. It it became fodder, you know, for the most, uh, I I think, played uh, uh, ads that cycle. But, you know, within that video, he says, you know, we can start going on. He's like, I can't do much, um, um, you know, with just the governorship. But if I have the House and the Senate, then we can really go on the offense. Yeah. And so, you know. Definitely take Glenn Youngkin at his word on that, because if they uh, win the the Virginia Senate, um, they will go on the offense on abortion.
0: So this framing of Glenn Youngkin as being some sort of sane Republican, that's really just a facade, isn't it? Especially based on what you discovered through your undercover operation, that it's more about Glenn Youngkin hiding all of the ugly things that he believes in. Is that sort of your read on this, that he's kind of trying to position himself as more sane than he actually is?
4: Oh, for sure. I mean... (laughs) You know, but he, he's going to speak to uh, the moderates in the northern part of the state, right? Mm-hmm. So
1: um,
4: I, I, his image is very carefully calculated uh, to appear to be a, a sane Republican. But, you know, uh, whether or not it's him or his uh, his deputy uh, governor, uh, Winsome Sears, like Winsome is pretty... Uh, pretty right wing (laughs) she's even more openly uh openly conservative than he is um and i just i would take them all at their word yeah there's they're not hiding it much you know you you just need to google it dive in uh, even just a little bit and you'll you'll discover that they they are pretty uh, I, i hate to be um Hyperbolic, but it, there is a real sense of like cristo fascism that you get with like Winston Sear's and yes. uh, and Glenn Youngkin. So um, you know, but these are people who enabled Trump. You know, they just didn't want to campaign with him because they knew that um, it wouldn't go over. It wouldn't sell in Northern Virginia.
0: Such cowards. Not having the courage of their convictions, even as extreme as those convictions might be. But do you think they're going to get what they want in this election? Do you think that they're going to end up with a trifecta?
4: I think that uh, that is not going to happen. And and hopefully your listeners will help be a part of that and volunteer to turn out voters in Virginia. Yep. But, um, you know... I think that uh, one of the most underestimated stories uh, of each successive election mm-hmm. since uh, the overturning of, of uh, Roe v. Wade with the Dobbs decision is just how strong, um, you know, the, the the anger is over this, uh, you know, taking away of reproductive rights. And I think that women are going to show up in the at the polls in force. And I don't think that they're going to be able to do that in Virginia, but, you know, um, people have to not be complacent, you know, um, yeah. I think there was a, there was a sense in 2021, um, I know I talked to a lot of people that thought, oh, Youngkin definitely can't win given, um, you know, your, your video with, uh, um, how he really feels about abortion, but, you know, people were complacent about it and didn't really think that, um, I guess, you know, that jobs is coming that overturning Roe was coming and but now we're there so um I hope that people take that
0: seriously. You know, Lauren, one of the things that I'm constantly thinking about is the disconnect between the political discourse in social media versus what's actually happening on the ground, things that you're doing with your activism and the volunteerism that's happening out there. Uh, It's really encouraging. And I think if we spent more time checking out what was actually happening out in the world not on social media, we'd be a little bit more optimistic about things. Does that make sense?
4: I do think that um, we tend to be much more uh, nervous and jittery as Democrats. Uh, and when you're in, <clears throat> uh, I think, beltway bubbles where, um, you know, the, the pundit class, like the mainstream, the mainstream sort of pundit class is really sort of more skewed as like, centrist or, like, right-leaning, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I, th- I think that people buy into that a little bit too much. And um, I- I'm not saying that, uh, you know, the electorate skews progressive, but I think that, um, you know, for instance, you know, what about the red wave that never materialized last year? Yeah, There's a, there's a, a great data point right there it didn't materialize because women were, you know, freaking pissed off Mm -hmm. and continue to be pissed off. And, you know, I I think it's going to continue to drive that election. So um, I I think that's one really positive data point. But, you know, when you talk about um, undercurrents of things that we don't really see or or that don't really get talked about, it also happens on the negative side. So I remember in 2021 um, I went to a lot of these events and uh, there was a real focus on schools and uh, critical race theory, yeah. and even though we've talked about that, people weren't really um, talking about it as being like a driver in the election. And in 2021, like Glenn Youngkin's focus on schools and parents' rights and CRT was really like, I think, a, a game changer for him uh, that enabled him to, to, you know, ride ride the election into the the governor's mansion, but. You know, Democrats need to have an answer for that. We ha- We need to uh, be addressing parents' rights. We need to, and it's not, you know, talking about some, you know, BS right-wing conspiracy, like, you know, the Chris Rucco CRT stuff. It's, you know, uh, addressing it for the average voter who doesn't, isn't like that engaged and doesn't have like that much knowledge of what's going on with it. And then pivoting to like, hey, maybe what we should really talk is about how the right wing is systematically trying to defund our public schools. I don't know if you saw the um, uh, the governor's debate between uh, Cameron and Bashir where Bashir just like yeah. dismantled him on public schools. That's and it great. was, oh my God, it was breathtaking it was, it yeah. was God, it's so enjoyable just to see a Democrat stand up and say, Like unequivocally, I support public schools Mm -hmm. and ask him, you know, about his support for vouchers because that's what he wants to do is defund public schools.
0: And it's kind of amazing, Lauren, and, and you're a part of this. I think the notion of... Well, the Democrats don't know how to do messaging. I think that's an old, outdated observation. I think the Democratic messaging machine is more robust now than it's ever been. You're seeing, uh, like, for example, the Biden HQ Twitter account. I mean, that alone is doing uh, an amazing job at delivering a a solid message in support of uh, Joe Biden and his reelection campaign, even going so far as to appearing on uh, Truth Social and having an account over there, which is incredible. So, do you feel as but, though this is uh, an improved situation as far as messaging goes?
4: I do, and I think though that's really something that speaks to Joe Biden's leadership because yeah. you know uh, Ron Klain uh, had tremendous relationships with um, with progressive leaders, and you know I, I don't know to what degree. Folks remember like you know during the obama administration i wouldn't say that his engagement with the progressive community was as robust as biden's i think that biden goes out of his way to engage uh progressive leaders and ron klein was really uh, key to that in the first few years obviously there's a new chief of staff um in the last year jeff science and it, it remains to be seen whether or not he will like have the same i think uh deafness with uh, progressives as Ron claimed it. But, um, you know, I think it speaks to Joe Biden that he learned from, I think, missteps of the Obama
0: years. Are you at all concerned about Dean Phillips and Steve Schmidt and this primary challenge?
4: I'm not at all. I think
0: it's,
4: Hmm. uh, (laughs) I think it's silly. Um, (laughs) Is he going to gain traction? No. Uh, But he clearly wants attention for himself, so whoever wants to bankroll it like you know uh, maybe it's already come out maybe we'll find out like harlan Crow is there harlan Crow money going into the team phillips campaign oh, yeah. he seems to be funding everybody else right he, he funded um uh cornell west and and rfk i want to say
0: yeah, yeah, and I want to. Is Harlan Crow funding
4: him? Is Harlan th- Crowe funding Dean
0: Phillips? I think so. I think some Harlan Crow money went into that campaign already. Uh, I want to say, yeah, there was some news about that yesterday, yeah. or maybe I the day I before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's quite obvious. The, I guess the question is though, uh, whether or not this is going to end up doing any damage to Joe Biden, any appreciable damage. I mean, I lean toward the notion that any primary challenge to an incumbent president is going to do some damage. But where do you land on that idea?
4: I think, um, you know, for just traveling around the country, I do hear a lot of people dissatisfied with the choices. You know, uh, people uh, are questioning, like, I I don't want to see another Biden-Trump matchup. But, you know, Biden has delivered a lot uh, and a lot for progressives and um, has continually sought to uh, take the temperature down in terms of polarization. You know, I I think that people need to realize that, you know, any uh, challenge to this incumbent president is, you know, weakening the ticket. But, you know, to the degree that that needs to be played out in some way, there is an opportunity for Joe Biden to emerge from this stronger by, you know, I think. I wouldn't say he needs to engage Dean Phillips because, I mean, that would just be, uh, you know, uh, uplifting his candidacy. But um, in so far as they can dismantle any of his arguments um, in a very public way Mm -hmm. and just reinforce with people, like, every single criticism that Dean Phillips has lodged at me, here's my response, and, like, shut it down. You know, I, I think if you just, like, The problem I see on our side a lot is, um, and this goes back to the CRT stuff in Virginia too, and and the problem with the CRT stuff nationally is we often find ourselves in a posture of like, we don't need to, you know, dignify that with a response. (laughs) And so rather than responding and like shutting it down and pivoting to what we should really be talking about, which is like exactly... The t- what you saw with Bashir uh, versus uh, Cameron in Kentucky, which was just so, you know, like a masterclass, right? Yeah. Um, when you leave a void like that in a conversation um, to the average voter, it, it you know, the right wing then dominates and wins and Democrats look weak. Like, well, you don't have an answer for this. Mm-hmm. It's true. Like, if you're not responding to it, it must be true. And then it, like, sort of, I really think um, encourages, like, the worst sort of speculation and sort of, like, buy into whatever right-wing fever dream is, like, of the moment. Mm -hmm. So rather than, like, avoidance and, like, you know, uh, leaving voids out there, I think that, you know, to the degree that Democrats can address these concerns and pivot to what we should, like you know, just fully dismantle the the argument, like, no, unless someone's truly crazy, like, you should engage with people who are, like, raising these concerns in a good faith manner. You know, we need to be doing the, uh, the hard work of combating disinformation.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think there's an opportunity, too, to illustrate strong leadership. We have the advantage of the truth behind us, and if we can articulate the truth in a way that's hard-hitting and comes from a place of strength, as opposed to Republicans who pretend to be strong and their entire argument is based on Uh, lies and disinformation and nonsense is sort of something that uh, I think Gavin Newsom is doing quite a bit of these days and is extraordinarily effective at. And he's not afraid. And the same with uh, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, Secretary Pete, where he's going on Fox News quite a bit and sticking it to them on their own airwaves, so to speak. So that's the kind of thing we need more of, right?
4: yeah and, i mean i'm really encouraged by the democratic bench i mean uh, you know beyond pete who's obviously not a governor we have like a great bench of governors not just yeah gavin but you know gretchen whitmer uh mm-hmm. josh shapiro to me is like super impressive you know uh what he was able to do showing um, government working you know with, with getting the freeway collapse uh fixed in in record time like um you know, I, I'm not as familiar with what Wes Moore has done so far, but, you know, I, I think that we have a, a crop of leaders across the country that um, are doing really, uh, really good things for the party in, in ways that uh, I think it set a good example for voters as to, like
0: new leadership. OK, we'll take a short break. Back with more Lauren Windsor right after these words. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder
1: mystery. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out, unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours, one bathtub at a time. That's bubblegenius.com.
3: Bob Seska. favorites all day long.
0: What inspired you to start shooting undercover videos?
4: Well, so I, I, let me give you a little bit of context to that. So, um, I launched my web show, The Undercurrent. I, um, I, really got activated into politics to Occupy. Mm -hmm. So it was um, an Occupy activist out in LA and I, um, started filming protests and then I pitched the young Turks, uh, and then launched a web show called the undercurrent with them, which I'm still producing today. Um, and, it was mainly, you know, like field reporting, just, you know, show up at events and get interviews. Uh, in the political world, we call it bird dogging where you know you have somebody you want to talk to and, you know, it, not in the activist way where you're like going up and confronting them, but it's more of, you know, just walking up and, you know, in a press fashion and asking them, uh, whatever question, you know, it is that you came to ask them about. But, um, So for I was doing that for a long time. That was really the focus of my reporting. And I really saved like the undercover stuff for difficult to get in venues. So um, like the Koch brothers retreats, the Alec conferences. So um, in 2014, I'd been in uh, in DC for a year and I had a source who gave me several hours of audio from a Koch brothers retreat. Hmm. Uh, And I was there on site. When it happened, and so it's undercover uh, in that in, for that particular uh, project. But um, I continued on with that uh, that sort of you know mostly bird dogging, you know, minimal undercover mix until about 2020. And, and our office had been infiltrated by James O'Keefe in 2016, and he had been doing obviously the undercover stuff in our office. And yep. I've had people ask me like, "Oh, well." you must have started doing undercover videos because of James O'Keefe. And it's like, actually, no. I mean, I, I, I pivoted to doing more of that in 2020 once I realized that, like, hey, I need to expose these election deniers who are hell-bent on, you know, uh, overturning our, our elections. You know, people aren't generally going to, you know, tell you with a, a microphone in their in their face that uh, what their plans are to overturn the election. Yeah. So um, to me, uh, I was on the ground for six weeks in Georgia for the two Senate runoffs and had broken, it, this was the first uh, reporting that there was going to be a, a challenge to the electoral college on the Senate side. Up until that point, this was like the DC sort of mentality of like, oh, that's not a serious thing. The electoral challenge is not going to happen. That's just like some harebrained." Thing that's going on in the House with the Freedom Caucus, you know, it's led by Mo Brooks, but, you know, nothing can happen without a challenge in the Senate, and there's not going to be any senator who's going to do that. Well, I was out, you know, on the campaign trail with the uh, various uh, surrogates for Loeffler, Purdue, and uh, uh, Tupperville was out there. Uh, Then-Senator-elect Tupperville <laughs> was out there with uh, then-Congressman-elect Madison Cawthorne, and they were both talking, and this is in the middle of December, mind you, like. Of
2: 2020. Think, like, yeah.
4: December, of 2020. Yeah. So, well after the election. And they're telling people at this event to, you know, stay strong, keep fighting for Donald Trump. We still have a chance to win this. And I'm just <laughs> like, wow, okay. <laughs> Delusional. And, uh, and Madison even said he was like, you know, keep the faith and keep fighting because we still have, you know, cards to play or you know, we still have tricks up our sleeve. And so. When I um I, as Tupperville is walking out I walk up to him and I'm like Senator Tuberville Madison said y'all still have tricks up your sleeve what are y'all gonna do to fight for President Trump <laughs> and he was like he was like ma'am uh you you seen what what they what they're doing over in the House we're gonna have to do that in the Senate too <laughs> and you know I asked uh, Madison about it and he said you know we're gonna we're gonna do this challenge to the electoral college it's a It's a Hail Mary pass, but I I, I think it might work. And so, to me, um, going undercover just became really key to, you know, exposing more of of what was really going on. And, you know, those stories helped to really train the focus onto Georgia. I mean, it was already trained there, you know, the the crucible of everything going on politically because of those two Senate races. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, you know, Donald Trump tweeted out my stories. Like, I asked David Perdue if um, he would also challenge the Electoral College, and he said, yes, ma'am, I am, even though that wasn't technically possible at the time. And so Trump tweeted out both of those things, <laughs> and he became like, he didn't he even, he even thank me by name. He tweeted out the wow. David Perdue story, and he was like, that's because David is a true patriot. Thank you Lauren for your hard work.
0: no clue they no clue what you were doing they just tweeted it out and there it is oh my God
4: but so I mean that, that then uh, it, and that was actually the precursor to Josh Hawley and um, Ted Cruz announcing their own objections to the electoral college because like you know tr- uh, you know I get Tupperville I get Purdue Trump tweets out both of those. Uh, videos of them talking about challenging the Electoral College and then the following week it's Holly and Cruz and so it just like snowballed from there but you know I think that really honing in on that threat was key to um, you know uh, Democrats winning Georgia you know I think at the end of the day Georgians didn't want to um, vote for folks who were okay with uh, their elections being overturned.
0: What was the development of this character that you play? Was it sort of an organic thing that you thought of on the spot or did it kind of, uh, was it ruminating in your head for a while? Like, okay, how do I get them to believe that I'm one of their own people? Is that where the character came from? Or as I said, it was it more spontaneous. I'm
4: from the South. And so I've grown up with, uh, you know, uh, being a uh, liberal in very uh, a very red state. You know, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have uh, family members who are Trumpers. Uh, I may be a liberal, but you know, I don't present as like a granola sort of
2: you yeah know,
4: uh, active lefty activist type. You know, I can come across as very. You know, uh, I can come across as Republican um, just physically, like, uh, you know, from the outward appearances. So, you know, it, it's just a matter of tweaking, th- without giving away the secret sauce. Sure, sure, sure. You know, just, just tweaking, uh, uh, really leaning into the whole image of, like, a um, southern white girl Republican.
0: hmm Well, you're extraordinarily good at it, and it's obviously very, very effective if they're all buying into it. So I want to go back, though, to uh, Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. Did they go after you first, or did you go after them, and then they retaliated? How did this all develop?
4: They went after us, um, and what it was was um, it wasn't so much – our firm but it was our firm was a proxy for the clinton campaign and the dnc Hmm. so um in our office um so i am a political consultant uh, i'm a partner in a firm called democracy partners one of our co-founders is named bob creamer
2: oh yeah i know him um
4: so yes so bob is a great guy like family to me like a father figure he mentored me like took me under his wing, really brought me into the world of progressive politics in D.C. back when I was an Occupy activist in L.A. who had just launched this, you know, web show with the Young Turks, Um, you know, so Bob, to me, you know, he's a a partner, but he's family and, um, you know, they had had some, uh, they're in, I guess, they they didn't, you know, like think let's go after Bob Creamer. They had been doing some like fishing expeditions in wisconsin and i guess in conversations with this guy that had been a subcontractor for, for bob on a project at, this guy's name was scott vogel um like through some conversations in a bar with him we're saying like oh you know we're political consultants and we have a donor who's interested in funding gotv operations
2: mm-hmm. and
4: um so Scott's like, oh, I should hook you up with, uh, you know, Bob Creamer. Like that would, you know, he's thinking he's doing Bob a solid, you know, like bringing him donor money for GoTV stuff. And you know, <clears throat> Bob starts talking to, and, and mind you, like this undercover operation from Project Veritas, they had like eight different people, like you know, across the country over the course of like over six months.
2: Jesus,
4: I, I think. It, Yeah, so I mean, we're not talking about um, some fly by night operation. This was like very, uh, very well planned and funded. So, um, anyway, they had had a series of meetings. Uh, The donor ended up cutting uh, a check to Bob. I want to say it was for 20 grand uh, for this project. And, you know, that like buys like some level of trust. Um, with anybody, you know, like when you start forming a, a donor relationship and you're, you know, collaborating on, on electoral initiatives. So anyway, um, the donor came back and was like, well, I have a, I have a niece who's really looking to get in politics. Uh, she'd like to intern, you know, of anybody who needs this, you know, a spare set of hands around the office. And that's how this woman actually, like, got in the door to her office. Um, wow. Allison Moss. And so, you know, I had a, uh, I from the outset had a very bad feeling about her. And I said something multiple times to Bob. Like Mike and I said something, Mike, my partner, um, Mike Lux. and I were like, you know, this doesn't feel right. We don't know this person. This mm. is like two months out from the election. It was like September of 2016. And, um, he was like, don't worry about it. You know, this is a daughter of a friend. Oh, it's, you know, Bob's friend. It must be okay, right? Hmm. But then, like, when she actually came into the office, Mike and I kind of grilled her a little bit, and she was a suspiciously blank slate. And so, um, you know, I, <laughs> I went, I looked for her online. I couldn't find her anywhere. I went to Bob, and I was like, Hey, you know, who is this woman? Like, we really need to, you know, do a full background check on her or whatever. And he, he's like, don't worry about it. And so he like, shut me down on it. And I was like, okay, you know, it, it, you know it's your, it, it's your intern. He, he was too trusting in that situation. Um, but you know, it really, because I had that feeling from the outset, because it was like something that they, it was really psychological warfare. Like as soon as we found out that it had happened, um, O'Keefe and his minions, you know, they were allegedly going to drop a different video every day throughout the month of October. And, you know, in that situation, you have no idea. You're like racking your brain about, like, what did I say? Yeah. Could I have said anything that could have been like misinterpreted or cut to like look like I said something else? And so I've likened it to like psychological rape because it really does feel that way. And i Mm -hmm. I, I talked to lots of other victims um, subsequently who expressed the same thing where they have no idea. They're just kind of like at the mercy of, um, you know, what is going to come out. Mm -hmm. And um, so anyway, I launched Project Veritas Exposed. Uh, Basically, as soon as we found out, I uh, went into uh, evidence uh, gathering mode and documentation mode and, Um, was able to identify all these different operatives, uh, undercover operatives of James O'Keefe. And so it grew into a website with like 170 profiles of associates of James O'Keefe, a lot of operatives. Uh, And uh, and they're not necessarily all operatives because a lot of times you don't have, you know, like the smoking gun to be able to publish that to say this person was an undercover operative. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, But I did, in many instances, have smoking guns to be able to say, these are undercover operatives. I actually was able to help organizations um, in the aftermath of, uh, you know, being infiltrated as to, okay, here's what you do next. And I was able to identify moles who are like in some organizations. So like AFT currently has a lawsuit out against one of them and then like the Abigail Spanberger, her campaign manager called me like when, when this undercover operative was in her office yeah. and I walked, walked her through the entire process of like what to do and how to like come out clean on the other side. And they ended up getting a ton of press on it. Like she did exactly what I said and they blew them out of the water. That's and incredible. I, I, think, I really think that, I mean, we did um, a counter sting, the original question. I'm sorry. I, went through that long sort of context um <laughs> the, thing, the yeah. counter thing yeah um in january of 2017 because um <laughs> we what happened was we an ally of ours an allied organization got an email like a bait email from one of their operatives like they recognized the signature because what of what had happened with us and um, sent it to me, and I was like, "Oh, that's definitely this. It's got to be the same woman who infiltrated our office, Allison." And I was like, "Okay, well, let's um, set up a meeting with her."
0: <laughs> I love this so much.
4: <sighs> and so we we got the meeting set up, and what they wanted to do, they wanted to fund protests of Trump's inauguration, and they were trying to get. Um, and we ended up partnering with Ryan Clayton on this, mm. uh, and. It, Ryan Clayton uh, was running Wolfpack for a long time. He's a big uh, getting getting big money out of politics activist. But um, anyway, Ryan was posing as the executive director of this organization, and you know, we set up everything like in this venue, uh, this uh, restaurant, where they were meeting up with us. And it was her. It was the exact same woman who had infiltrated our office. And so a colleague of mine, Pete, and I were uh, waiting outside the door because, like, we weren't going to make this a long-term thing. Like, the jig was going to be up as soon as, like, she walked out the door. But she gets up to walk out, and as soon as she opens the door, I'm standing there. Pete's behind me with a camera, and then we're just, like, uh, following her down the street, like, shouting (laughs) questions at her.
0: (laughs) I love it. That's amazing. So how many times did they try to sue you? Or how many times did they threaten to sue you, at least?
4: None, I mean, we sued them in one. So.
0: Oh, great, so so they ne- you mean they never tried to sue you? Because they threatened to sue me back in April of 2021 because I tweeted that O'Keefe's videos were selectively edited. Uh, they gave me two weeks to delete the tweets, but of course I never did. I didn't want to be another name on his, uh, wall of shame, which I'm sure you're probably familiar with from the project Veritas website. So I didn't cave into that, but I assume that they were, they probably tried to sue you a bunch of times, but they didn't.
4: I never once got it it, as long as that website's still up. I, I, I have a number of people reach out to me to have their profiles taken down, which I refuse to do unless it's like a really compelling case of like, hey, I was only like very marginally involved, like in this was 10 years ago, I did a, you know, music video with O'Keefe, please take me off of, you know, like, it's, I think I've taken down two profiles over the last, like we launched the website in 2018, so what, uh, almost six years, Um, but Nobody can. I have been sued by one person, uh, but it was dismissed because everything that I published, like, I, I have a journalism background. I don't publish anything that I don't have verifiable, uh, like, sources for. Mm-hmm. And so they just can't, you know, if they were to sue me, it would open up discovery on their end. Yeah. And so I think that's what what's kept Project Veritas from suing me directly. It was one of their. Um, staffers that sued me. Um, and he was a, he was pro se. So, you know, it, <laughs> it wasn't a serious effort, but yeah, I did yeah. have to like, I did have to, you know, hire a local counsel. You know, it's annoying. Yeah. But whatever, you know, I'm not taking it down. Fuck you. Um, part, I'm sorry. Pardon my language.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. It's a podcast. It, it doesn't matter.
4: It, it, always, it always elicits a strong reaction for me. I, I'm just... <laughs> I have not much mercy for any of these people. And I'm like, you're the one who decided to be uh, involved with this person who is clearly um, just totally unethical. And, you know, there are consequences. You, you, if you're going to go out there and destroy people's lives for activism, like these people are civilians. Mm -hmm. You know, when I go under, when I go undercover, here's some key differences. I'm not like, targeting like some low level staffer on a Senate campaign. You know, what the, what the fuck is that? Like Mm -hmm. you're going after people who don't have that much experience. Don't uh, typically don't have that much experience or that much knowledge of like
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're just completely unaccustomed to it.
4: But but they don't have uh, generally speaking, the knowledge of what's really going on inside of campaign. So, you know, a lot of the videos that O'Keefe has done, uh, In recent years, it's, you know, he he plays in Senate races, you know, key Senate races. will go into um, an office, uh, a campaign office, and engage staffers. And it's like, very few of these staffers have real access to the candidate. And to try to paint the candidate as, like, knowing what you know, whatever the this, this staffer is saying um, or that the staffer has any clue what's really going on. It's really disingenuous. But, you know, that the whole operation is built off, like, let's go in and fish and see what we can find. Mm. And then, you know, uh, we'll take any, any salacious thing whatsoever and cut it in a way that, to make it look nefarious. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's a marker of, their methodology is a lot of times to, you know, get people drunk, you know, they do the, have the conversations at bars, uh, and then start asking, you know, sort of like contentious questions about candidates, issues, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, so.
0: The th- the thing with Veritas wasn't so much, to me at least, the deceptive videos themselves, because it's very clear that they were crafting these videos to make it seem like something was happening that wasn't happening. The terrifying reality to me was that Republicans repeatedly attempted to legislate based on those videos. It'd be like writing laws based on a jackass video. You know what I mean? That's the dark side of all of this, that the Republicans seized upon James O'Keefe's bullshit and decided to turn that into law.
4: Well, it's not only that. I mean, Donald Trump actually like gave money to Project Veritas in 2015. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about, uh, if you look at the topics that O'Keefe was pursuing, and particularly pursuing... Uh, Bob, and it, again, it wasn't about Bob. It was, you know, they were made aware of Bob, and he, you know, then it was like, oh, well, uh, he's working for the DNC, he's working for Hillary Clinton. You know, we can paint Hillary Clinton at, with its corrupt brush by, you know, making it look like whatever Bob is doing is nefarious. Yeah, yeah. And doing that when he's being funded by Donald Trump. Who was Hillary Clinton's opponent I mean that to me is terrifying that you could under the guise of journalism and be taken seriously mm-hmm. be taken seriously because it was like Anderson Cooper who was like leading the charge in, in the story in 2016 um, you know it, it's chilling to me yeah you know or have you know entire news outlets or news unquote quote-unquote news outlets. Uh, devoted to, uh, you know, going in and ruining like civilian lives,
0: mm-hmm.
4: a staffer's lives in pursuit of, you know, electing a presidential candidate.
0: Well, and they, they also do that, Lauren, to members of the press, anyone who writes something negative about Project Veritas, or at least we can refer to them in the past tense now because, ha <laughs> ha bye bye no, Project Veritas. Yeah. <laughs> But what they do is they intimidate people using defamation lawsuits into taking down what they wrote about Project Veritas. And that happens. That's how they came after me. They've come after. They've got that. As I said before, they've got that wall of shame. And most of the time, the journalist or publication will capitulate to Project Veritas's legal threat. Are you aware of any um, grassroots efforts to strengthen anti-slap laws? Uh, Maybe not necessarily in response to Project Veritas, but this is something that's becoming more and more prevalent in the political debate, which is that, you know, punishing your political opponent by suing them for defamation. Uh, Is there any further efforts to curtail any of that uh, abuse of the legal system?
4: I mean i'm not really aware of that but you know my efforts with the website were to you know fight back it were threefold you know really to serve as a a hub, like for for victims and activists like for training and identification purposes but also for like media for research you know i I worked with a lot of different publications that were doing stories over the years new york times the intercept um a whole host of them like broke significant news on, you know, his ties to Eric Prince, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, another part of that was, you know, banding together with victims to try to be of service to their attorneys and, you know, making sure that there were legal answers to, uh, all the things that they were doing. But, um, you know, it's, it's odd, I, I, I guess, they I think they pursue that where they think that there's you know they can get away with bullying someone. Mm-hmm. They never pursue that with me, you know you just have to like tell them to fuck off, yeah, because at the end of the day, um, defamation is such a high bar. Mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> if you're gonna you know pursue somebody because of a tweet that says that you know, edited videos, I mean, that's just,
1: it and no one's fun. gonna
4: actually go to court over that. You yeah. know, they might threaten it. Yes, he, he has fun sending threatening letters,
0: mm-hmm.
4: and. Good on you that you saw through the bullshit
0: Yeah, and I love the letter I cherish it In fact, I I have yet to have it framed I want to frame it and put it up on my wall But uh, before I let you go, Lauren Just real quick One of your claims to fame One of the the greatest things you have done With your Sting videos Is, of course, the John Eastman videos Which he revealed all kinds of additional details As far as what happened in and around January 6th Have any of those videos been subpoenaed by prosecutors Who are currently making Donald Trump's life hell
4: I mean, I, I haven't received any subpoenas. I, I imagine that, uh, you know, there's been no subpoena for that because the entirety of the interaction is available on the Internet, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean. Are you aware of them, pl- any of the prosecutors planning to use some of your videos of uh, Eastman?
4: I haven't been made aware of that, no. Okay.
0: That's a shame but, because, boy, he fingers, let it spill. Crossed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Lauren, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we got to get you back on and we'll dig more into uh, more of your sting videos and talk about uh, 2024. Absolutely. And see where we're headed next year as democracy remains a cliffhanger in the United States these days. <laughs> so thank you again it, it, for your time. It does. Yeah. Uh, pl- thank you. Plug away. So we're talking about uh volunteerblue.org. Is there anything else you want to uh, promote here at the end?
4: Well, you can check out my reporting at theundercurrent.tv. Um, but, you know, the majority of my stuff, like to be most up to date, would be on Twitter. And my handle is at LA Windsor.
0: Okay, great. Please
4: volunteer, turn out. Turn out the vote in Virginia and Ohio.
0: Thank you again, Lauren. And now you can feel free to leave the airport.
3: Thank you, Bob. Hope to talk to you soon.
0: Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>
3: There